Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Finding peace, right, in an anxious world. It's a spiritual discipline that I think is so critical for us as adults. But it's even more important, I think, for the modeling and for really what we're creating of cultural norms for the next generation. The sense that what we're doing is modeling and showing our kids, the grandkids, the next generation, this is how you cope with all the struggles of life. And as I was preparing for this week, that truth hit me in a little harder and more significant way. And and the research is showing that to be true. Uh, The Journal of American Medical Association cited a study that says there's exponential increase in anxiety and depression. The people of each generation in the 20th century are three times more likely to experience anxiety and depression than the people of the preceding generation. Every generation, three times greater that this is impacting our life. If you think about that, what, in 2024, like what, what is creating that fear and anxiety in us? It's never been, in some regards, more safer. Our cars have never been more safer to drive in, right? They park for us, they drive for us, they lane change, there's airbags. I mean, they do it all for us. Transportation is relatively safe unless you're on Alaska Airlines, that's there, right? Uh, food and drink, never been regulated more than they are at this point there. My phone, my phone tells me my heart rate, my blood pressure, it tells me when to stand up, it tells me when to sit down, it tells me when to take a breath and when to relax, and yet with all of this technology and all of these improvements of safety, research reminds us that in spite of all of that, this incoming class of college freshmen will have scored historically lower than any other generation before in the areas of mental health and emotional stability. One article that really struck me uh, was an article entitled, How Big a Problem is Anxiety? Dr. Robert Leahy, director of American Institute of Cognitive Therapy, shares this, that the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient patient in the early 1950s. Let that sink in for a moment. If you think of nothing to pray for, pray for TJ and our amazing youth volunteers that care and impact and invest into the lives of these young folks because they are feeling it. And I'm reminded it is us who model it, who are creating the cultural norms, that it's important that we gain victory in this area for the sake of the next generation, that the next generation isn't just three times more anxious than we are today. So is there any hope, right? That's the question. If we're just doomed to this, if all the research says it's just gonna get worse and worse and worse, is there hope? Here's what I love about the scripture, that the Bible is willing to deal with life's difficult issues and is in the midst of that says, I'm not only acknowledging it, but God says, listen, I'm going to give you some hope. I'm going to give you a pathway to health and to healing. And that's what we're going to see today. You know, last week, Philippians 4, uh, verse 6, first part, it says, do not be anxious about anything, right? That's the command. Don't be anxious about anything. And last week, we defined anxious or anxiety. And the original has this thought of a mind that is divided, a mind that is divided between legitimate thoughts 
and destructive thoughts, right? A double-minded man is, is unstable in all of his ways. That's what anxiousness is. It, it's a mind that divided along those things. And so in this command in Philippians, the Apostle Paul, listen, he's not saying never have anxious thoughts, but rather he's reminding us that in the life of a follower of Jesus, that our lives should not be lived in perpetual and persistent anxiety. Shouldn't define us from where we go. I love the way the, the author Max Locato, he simply says it this way. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. Right? That's the hope. We're going to experience it, but we do not need to be held captive to it. So today the Apostle Paul is going to give us some tools about how we cannot be stuck in the prison of anxiety. Now as we jump into this, let me just say today and remind you again, for some of you this is a heavy topic where you're living in it. And it's heavy and consuming at this time. And can I just remind you today that uh, this is what your, your body is just responding <laughs> to what it knows to be true to protect you, right? Past trauma, cycles of, of how we deal with challenges and behavioral patterns. Some of you have dramatic current present day circumstances that you're facing in all of this. And so can I just say as you deal with this today, I'm going to give you some, hopefully some hope and some tools out of God's word to do that. But for some of you, just encourage you, you may need to seek some professional help in this area, medication that helps with these things. I'm just saying, let God minister to you how God leads you in this area. Because this is hard. If this was easy stuff, we would all have had victory over our anxious thoughts years ago. But we're walking this together. We're processing. We're in this journey of becoming more like Christ and trusting him more together in that process. And so, again, let God meet you where you're at and help you through that. So we're going to jump in today. We're going back to the book of Philippians chapter 4 if you got your Bibles. If you're uh, new with us this morning, visiting, so glad you're here. If you got your phones, if you go to lexcity.info, all the sermon notes are there. Uh, as Pastor Dave mentioned, all the stuff with groups and all the things that are happening in our church are there at lexcity.info. Info. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, keyword, but, in other words, here's the hope, all right, the command, don't do this. Let me tell you how you can find some hope in this. But, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be being known to God. Paul says, let me give you three ways to just help. To move, you're from meditating on the mess of your life to meditating on your master. Paul says, listen, let me just remind you, listen, you will not choose your circumstances in 2024, but you can choose your focus. It's what the psalmist said back in Psalms 121 once, right? I lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come from? That my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, right? I lift my eyes to the hills. I choose choice of my will, where my focus is going to be. Am I going to focus on my mess, or am I going to look to the hills, to my master, because that's where help comes. Every day, every one of us makes a choice on focus. Am I going to ponder on the problems, or am I going to praise my Savior in the midst of that? So where do you cast your eyes? You cast them on the hills, because where you focus makes a difference. If you don't believe me, uh, someday, just ask the Apostle Peter, right? 
who on a stormy night in the Sea of Galilee would say to you, hmm, I learned a lesson that where my focus is matters greatly when I cast my eyes to my Savior rather than the problems and the struggles and the storms of life that we're on. So the Apostle Paul says back in Philippians, let me give you four things when it comes to this idea of choice, of focus, where we go. And these are the things that overcome, the antidote to anxiety. Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but here it is, in everything, four things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let's look at those. Prayer, it, it's kind of a general word used in scripture, and lots of, but it carries this idea of adoration, of, of devotion, uh, of worship. It's where we get this idea, listen, when you feel like worrying, worship, right? When you're burdened, bow down. It's this idea that when you feel, this idea that you lift your eyes to the hills where your hope comes from. Worship, adoration that comes. And so Paul's son gives us these four, and I want you to pay special attention to the order of the four things he says for us to do, because it does matter. We don't start with this idea of prayer. We don't just start with, God, I need this. God, will you, will you give me this? Uh, we don't start there. I mean, look, remember what Jesus says. Let me model for you what prayer is like, the, the Lord's Prayer. He does not start the Lord's Prayer with, give us this day our daily bread. What does he start the Lord's Prayer with? Hallow be thy name. Worship, adoration, acknowledging who God is and what he is. That's why we start our services every Sunday. What do we start with? We start with worship. It's a chance to come in, to focus, to center, to start our day just acknowledging who God is. God, I acknowledge your name and the name of Jesus and what it means. That God, I acknowledge that you are good, that you are sovereign in all of these things. When we worship, what are we doing? We're acknowledging the greatness and the goodness and the majesty of God. When we worship, we're reminded that God is big enough, God is powerful enough, that God cares enough to handle my problems. It's a neat thing, amazing thing in the human heart. Worship and worry cannot coexist at the same time in the same heart. Do you ever notice that? When our worship increases, our worry decreases. <laughs> when, our worship is, or when our worry is on the rise, our worship seems to diminish. Why? The human heart, they both can't. Our focus is either going to be on our mess or on our master. Paul says start with worship. Begin to focus on who God is in what he's done. The second thing that he says along those ideas, the second step is supplication. And it's this word, kind of a churchy word, but it has this idea of emotion. Strong crying out to make a petition with, with a sense of emotion and earnestness this, with great humility and desperation, cry out to say, God, this is where my heart is at. He's not saying, hey, this isn't a sterile, holier-than-thou memorized kind of routine kind of a prayer. He's just saying, man, out of desperation, it comes from the heart, this idea of supplication. It's messy. It's real. It's not all put together. It's not all thought through. It just simply says, God, this is where I'm at in the moment, and I want to share my heart. Third thing he says is thanksgiving. The idea of this expression of gratitude. God, thank you for hearing me. <laughs> thank you for caring Thank you that I just shared my heart, where I'm at, the good, the bad, the ugly. Thank you for listening. Thank you for meeting me right where I am. Thank you for giving me hope and healing. 
And that seems like such an obvious response, right? It seems like we shouldn't have to say that. Of course, if we understand how good and gracious God is, then I should just have a thankful heart. But I don't know about you. It's so easy. And we tend to be quick to ask of God, but slow to show appreciation to God. You ever notice that in your prayers? We're really quick just to go to, God, I need this. God, help me there. Care for this. Meet that need. And we're slow to take time to appreciate the goodness of who God is. Jesus understands that in our human nature. So he teaches this story and gives this account of the 10 lepers in the book of Luke. And let me just read that to you to remind us. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleaned and cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go for your, go your way, for your faith has made you well. Uh, think about that. Out of ten men who were healed, only one returns. And leprosy, it wasn't a small thing that God done for them. I mean, this is a slow, horrible, painful death. The outcome of leprosy is significant had social outcomes. Lepers were, were outcasts. When he said Jesus was afar, they'd have to cry, unclean, unclean, when somebody close that they could keep a distance. Lepers weren't allowed to go to the temple. They weren't allowed to worship. They weren't allowed to, to have fellowship or give offerings at the temple. So when Jesus heals them, think about this. This is transformational. This isn't just physical healing. This is social healing. This is everything in their life has been changed and transformed in this moment. Ten of them, and yet how many come back? Only one bothers to take time to give thanks for what God has done. Now again, this is a New Testament example. It doesn't apply to us. We're extremely thankful people, right? We never miss the point. Jesus says, no, I know human nature. Make this a part of your discipline, right? That there is thanksgiving, that you return with a sense of gratitude. And finally, he says here in his fourth set, he says, let your request be known to God. Key word, request. Don't let your demands, he's not saying let your demands be known to God. Don't let your ultimatums be known to God. This isn't your name and claim it to God. It's your request. Humbly submitted to the almighty God. It's a request because God can say yes and God can say no and God can say wait and God can say maybe. So it's a request. But I love what he says on this request. It says, let your request, a specific thing, give some specificity to the things that you're asking. Don't just simply say, hey, God, just bless my life. Saying, be specific about it. It's your request, your life. God, in this area, in this thing, I am asking for your help. Be specific. God, just care for my kids. Hope they turn out great, God. No, God says, listen, pray for specific things. God, in this area, this week, protect my kids. Be with them there. Give them courage. 
See, the, the beauty of praying for specific things is when God answers, then you know God has answered that prayer. When I just simply pray, God, bless my life, it's hard to know what that looks like, right? So he says, make your request, your individual needs, make those known to the Lord. But why do we do this? Do you ever think about that? Why do we bother to pray? Why, why would I bother to share with God what I need in my life if God already knows, right? Doesn't the Bible teach it? Matthew chapter 6 says, your father knows what you need before you ask. So why do we bother to even ask if God already knows? Thought for you today. We pray not to inform God, but to be conformed by God. See, we pray not to just tell God, because... When you prayed this thing, God, this is what's going on, and God doesn't ever be like, ooh, hey, thanks, I, I, I didn't know that one. Thank you for reminding me. I didn't know that that's what you needed in this area. Or I didn't know that was a concern in your life. Right? We're, not, we're not informing God of something that he already doesn't know, but in our prayers, the desire is, God, help me to be conformed to you by the things I'm praying about to you in, in, my, in my life. As I think about what that looks like, I mean, this idea of prayer, why do we do it? It's not to inform, but to be conformed. Why? When I pray with a humble spirit, what am I doing? I'm acknowledging my dependence. We're acknowledging our weakness. We're acknowledging our need for more faith in whatever that is. And God promised what? To meet our needs, not our wants, but to meet our needs when we do that. Why? Because he's a good father. Parents, don't you love when you have this moment when your child would come and say, Daddy or Mommy, I don't know how to do this. I need your help. Aren't you motivated to love to meet that need? <clears throat> I mean, when my kids ask for something in that kind of a spirit, I don't know about you, man, I will move heaven and earth and do everything within my power to meet the needs that they desire at those moments. Our Heavenly Father literally moved heaven and earth <laughs> to be with us and to meet those needs. And he has the power to do all of those things. And so he's listening, he says, come with us with that kind of humble spirit that our heavenly father loves to meet our needs in the way that we love to meet our needs with our earthly children. What does that look like? Let me give you an example this morning out of scripture of, of how to be at peace in an anxious situation. Uh, in the book of Daniel, there's two key characters in the book of Daniel. One is Daniel, who the book is named after. He's a prophet of God, a godly man of prayer. And the second one is King Darius. Now, in the context of Daniel chapter 6, King Darius has been deceived and uh, tricked in, to pass a decree. And his decree, he's going to say this, for the next 30 days, you can only pray to one person, and that is me as your king. Anybody who fails to meet this decree, this is punishable by death. So as a good God-fearing person, as Daniel was, this is going to create some conflict, right? It's going to create a little anxiety. <laughs> what do I do? Do I trust God or do I really want to live? Am I going to pray with confidence or is the king silencing me in these moments? Some fear that comes. Well, Daniel understands that... Um, this important little principle that God's laws proceeds man's laws, and I follow man's laws unless they are in conflict with God's law, right? We have a little 
taste and flavor of what that might even look like at different times. So here's Daniel debating what this should do. So I want to share with you this prayer that Daniel does as a man of faith. And pay attention to the structure, the things that are involved in Daniel's prayer, because it reminds us when you are in anxious situations, this is how you should pray to bring peace in that. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He gets down on his knees three times a day and prayed, right, worship, gave adoration, and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel, third part, making petition and pleas before his God. Three elements, right? Prayer, thanksgiving, and petition. And these prayers Daniel gave three times a day. And in the midst of the storms of life and in the midst of an anxious situation, Daniel somehow finds peace. You want to talk about difficult situations? Daniel understands that this he's about to be thrown into a den of lions where he's going to be ripped apart limb by limb and experience a horrific death. But he chooses to trust God in these things and he finds this amazing thing in the midst of all these circumstances. He finds peace in the midst of the storm. First character. The other character is King Darius. Now, King Darius, it's amazing. Uh, he's on the other side of the spectrum, right? He cares for Daniel. He has respect for Daniel. He realized that he has been tricked into making this decree. And he understands Daniel is a good man. But he also has no prayers to offer. And we're going to see here in just a moment that he has no peace in his life because of that. Daniel 6, verse 8. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The king's experiencing, what, the very definition of what anxiety is. No sleep, right? Not enjoying anything, entertainment in his life, and he's not eating. It's all-consuming. It's worry. It's regret. And since he didn't take it to the Lord, what is he doing? He's wallowing in his worry all night long. Both men, same circumstances. Think about this. One slept with the lions in the pit, and the other one had heartburn in the palace. Right? Same things that are facing. It's Daniel chapter 6. It starts in verse 4 with anxiety. This is the deal. Follow the decree or you'll be killed. At the end, in verse 25, we find peace. Because the next morning, the king goes to the pit to find Daniel, and he finds Daniel sitting there in peace with the lions around. And he's amazed at how in the midst of all of these he could trust God. And the king's heart is moved, and so peace comes. Here's what the king now declares to all the peoples and nations and language that dwell on the earth. What does he declare to them? Peace be multiplied to you. Anxiety starts Daniel chapter 6, peace, verse 25, ends Daniel chapter 6. But prayer is the thing that bridges the gap between those two circumstances. Prayer. It's the first thing we should do when our hearts feel anxious, but if we're honest, it sometimes is the very last thing we tend to look at. When struggles come and anxiety rises, right, we, we try to control the situation, we grip a little bit tighter. We hold on a little bit tighter. We, we seek counsel of about anybody who will listen, right? We go to social media even sometimes to find some great insights. We just power up, right? I can do it. 
deep breath, power up, grip tighter, white knuckle it, here we go. We power up rather than pray up. But when we begin with God, something happens in the midst of your circumstances that only God can do. He gives peace. That's why I share with you today, as followers of Christ, this is the hope we have. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and experience Jesus in this way, I don't have a lot of hope to offer because your circumstances are going to drive the peace that's within your heart. If you'd like to know a little bit more, a little at the end of our service, we're going to have a time of prayer. And we've got some prayer team folks that will be up here at front. And if you'd like to know a little bit more how you can have that kind of peace, they'd love to share that with you. As a follower of Jesus, you have the opportunity, you have the resource of the peace of God in your life if you'll just leverage that and trust him with that. So Philippians chapter 4 goes back to says, here's the promise that God says of the peace that will come. Next verse, Philippians 4, 7. Here's the promise. If you'll do these things and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus you will give these things to God and trust them, you're going to experience a peace that surpasses understanding. Daniel, you're in the midst of a lion's den, and yet you're at peace. doesn't make sense. Surpasses any circumstances or knowledge, and God says this is the kind of peace that only comes from him. And this idea of the peace of God, what I love about this phrase, there's the depth of this phrase that sometimes we forget. It's not just a feeling of peace. It's a fact that creates the foundation of our very lives and the very foundation of our faith. Let me show it to you this way. Let me put it here on the screen. The peace of God. This is how deep it is. At salvation, we have peace with God positionally. When we were in our sin, remember what the Bible says? We were an enemy of God. But when Jesus died on the cross and paid that uh, the penalty for our sins, we're now what? We're now his sons and his daughters. Positionally, I'm no longer in opposition with God. I'm at peace with God because of uh, my salvation. The second part, now we have the peace of God. Here's the emotional part. I have the peace of God in circumstances that are difficult. Why? Because God's within my life. It's transformational. I'm not only, position, I'm not only at peace with God, but now I have the peace of of God in spite of the things. Where does this all happen? It all happens through Jesus. Let me remind you. Jesus as Savior brings peace with God. When Jesus died on the cross, he closed the gap between God and a sinful person like me. And now positionally, I'm a son or a daughter. He brings peace with God. And Jesus as Lord brings the peace of God. When I submit my life to Jesus his lordship in my life, then I have not my peace, but his peace that's greater than the circumstances and the greater than things. Big thought. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, prayer for our church family in 2024 is that we would experience peace with God and the peace of God in our lives. Philippians 4 teaches this that the path of peace is paved with prayer. That the thing that we tend to go to last is the thing that we should begin with first, and in that is the pathway 
peace. So today, in our time, we're going to do something this morning. If you're visiting with us, we don't normally do this. A little something different. But I want to practically live out that truth. Being able to just experience peace. So here's what we're going to do today. In just a moment, uh, I'm going to pray, and then uh, our team's going to come out, and they're going to sing a song, just a reflective song for us. And while they're singing, I want to invite you to do a couple things this morning. I want to invite you to just take a moment and pray. We're going to have a prayer team that will be down front. If you'd like to pray with somebody, some of you are just going through some things, you just need some encouragement, you just need somebody to pray, they would love to be able to do that. We have prayer benches down in front. For some of you, may need to just take this moment and you want to just come down and just say, God, I need to give you this. I'm trying to control this in 2024. My fear is a little heavy in this area. God, I just want to give it to you. You may want to just stay in your seat and experience stillness and quietness and peace in this moment. So the group's going to sing. When they're done, it's just your time today. Self-dismiss as you feel led. You can leave whenever you want. You can stay whenever you want. We'll turn the lights off, turn the heat off, and you'll go to sometimes. But this is a time just for you because what I know is this. The hardest thing in peace is to be present in the moment. And even today, there's so much going on. Oh, after this, I got to go get the kids. got to get bundled up. I want to give you some moments with just you and the Lord. If you're watching online this morning, covered up under your blanket, can I encourage you, maybe in these next few moments, don't multitask, be present, and experience the peace of God. Well, Pastor, what I pray? Let me just throw this on the screen. You've been around church, you might have heard this before. These are just the acts of prayer. If you say, I don't know what to pray in these moments, here's a great example. Right out of Philippians 4, right? A, adoration. Praise God for who he is. God, thank you that you're all-powerful. Thank you that you care for me. Thank you that you're consistent. Thank you that you're the one thing in my life that doesn't change when everything else seems to be changing, right? Adoration, confession. Admit your sins. Ask God for overflowing forgiveness and mercy in your life. God, can I just confess to you that anxiety is driving my heart greater than it should? Grow my faith. God, can I just confess to you in my worry? I, I'm starting to get some bad habits, some bad patterns to mask and medicate my, my fear and my concern. God, I just want to acknowledge, right? Just agree with God what he already knows to be true in your heart. That's what confession is, agreeing with that. Third, thanksgiving. Thanks, God, for all he's done. God, thank you. Here's the great part. Folks, we're in 2024. We made it through 2023. I don't know about you, it was not an easy year, right? Some of you walked through some stuff, and you're here. See, the confidence I have for 2024 is the confidence that I found in 2023. <laughs> the confidence that I have to overcome what will come this next year is that five years ago and 10 years ago, God was good and God was gracious and God met our needs and we're here today. So let's just take time to thank God for where he has brought us that gives us confidence in the future. Let us not be like the nine lepers who God showed up in a miraculous way and we just went on our way and we never bothered to stop and just say, thanks. God, why am I freaking out over this? You met me here. I'm going to claim that promise, right? Thanksgiving. And finally, supplication. Bring your request to him. An honest, open, emotional, 
dependence. God, this is what I need. God, this is where I need you to meet me. God, these are my fears. These are the things, right? And so I'm going to pray. Team's going to come. They're going to sing. It's your time. So take a breath with me right now. Big breath. Your body doesn't know what to do with that. Try it one more time. Big breath, right? One of the beauties about being a follower of Jesus is that I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to perform. I don't have to make bricks. I can just be still and know that God is God. You can breathe. You can sit. And you can pray. And God will meet you right where we are. So let's just pray and we'll give you these moments. Dismiss as you feel led on the time. We'll see you back next week for week three as we go. But Father, thank you. Thank you that your word acknowledges something that is so real and prevalent in our hearts and in our culture. It's just control and anxious thoughts and all these things that steal our joy. It steals our ability to be present. It makes even moments like this at times feel uncomfortable. But thank you that your word gives us a pathway. That prayer paves the road to peace. And so God, in these moments, we just want to acknowledge that. We want to give you adoration and confession and thanks and supplication. Thanks for meeting us. And help us to be reminded in 2024, we can't choose our circumstances, but we choose our focus. So this morning, we turn our eyes to the hills for where our help comes from. And that's where we find Jesus. In your name we pray.
Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.